You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM's The Morning Buzz, and we are speaking to Charlie Smith, the editor of Vancouver. Charlie, how are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks, Karen. How are you doing? Doing very well, Charlie. It's a Friday, so I'm always super excited for the weekend. But we've got a few stories here that I'm fascinated to get your thoughts on. And one is about how two English universities in Montreal are launching separate lawsuits against the Quebec government over tuition hikes for out-of-province students. It was specifically McGill University and Concordia are both taking legal action. So, Charlie, what's happening here? Yeah, this is a really interesting story because Montreal's always been a magnet for English language uh, university students. My brother actually went to McGill, and um, and it's given the, the city this kind of real vibrancy, not just the English language, but the French language, too, that it's a real university city. And so basically, the tuition was cheaper uh, for years in Quebec and, and the Quebec government, uh, Francois Legault and his uh, CAC uh, party, decided that they were going to, uh, they didn't, first of all, the premier said he thought he was hearing too much English on the streets of Montreal. And the number of students in Montreal compared to the population, it's infinitesimal. Um, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, it's like 30,000 students and, and a population of a, a major city. Uh, so he must have been on certain street corners when he was hearing all this English. <laughs> but at the same time, it plays well with the rest of Quebec because uh, one of the, the big um, fault lines in Quebec politics is, are you protecting the French language? And there's this almost unconscious fear that French is going to disappear, even though it's continually propped up by the government through a range of measures. Um, so... He, he said, we're going to charge a lot of uh, higher tuition uh, for English language students. And, and that was a, a serious blow to McGill and Concordia, because there aren't enough uh, students in Quebec who want to study in English uh, to fill all the spots that are available. So they do a lot of recruiting in other parts of Canada, Concordia particularly. And so, so basically... Uh, it's market advantage, i.e. we have cheaper t- tuition and, and a fun city to live in, uh, and also relatively affordable housing prices in Montreal compared to other big cities. Um, the tuition argument was taken away from them, and Concordia is seeing a 27% decline in applicants from the rest of Canada, and, and 12% from abroad. And the international students are important because they pay more. And McGill said it was seeing a 20% drop in out-of-province applicants. So now they've sought judicial review in Quebec's Superior Court, asking the court to to quash the tuition uh, hikes, saying that its purpose is to weaken English-language universities. Um, And it's based on on stereotypes and false assumptions about English-speaking community of Quebec. So this is really something remarkable, because universities rely on provincial governments for significant operating grants. Um, like, I've never heard of UBC or SFU, for instance, filing a suit against the B.C. government. But this is basically the equivalent of what's happening in Quebec. And, it, and it, I think it really does demonstrate how outraged these universities are, that they feel that they have no other measure, no other option to them but, but to um, take, take the province to court. 
Yeah, it's quite fascinating. I'm kind of looking forward to see what's going to happen here, what kind of precedent this is going to set here. And I, I do think the part that's really concerning for me, Charlie, is the fact that, you know, you will affect, you know, the diversity, the range of students that do come there and stuff. And that's what kind of makes a university. So let's see what happens there. Um, another big story this week, uh, BC budget has been released, and we're not surprised. Lots of investments in housing, of course. What stands out to you here, Charlie? Well, one of the things I thought was interesting like the government, I, when I look at budgets, I like to look at the operating statement, actually, and just see how much is being spent, um, first of all. So, so they're forecasting $81.5 billion in expenditures, and then I look at it in comparison with gross domestic product. Um, and so, so basically, you're at $81.5 billion, um, which is, is significant. Uh, it's still not at the percentage of GDP that we were seeing um, decades ago. Uh, so, so government is, is somewhat smaller, uh, even though the NDP has, has grown it somewhat. Um, the other thing I, I, I always take a look at is, is health expenditures, because um, health is such a huge proportion of the budget, and this year it's in the $32 billion range. So um, that's, a, that's a lot of money. Um, is it enough? Uh, it's questionable, given uh, some of the challenges that we're facing. And and the other thing I think the government has really stepped up on is on housing and, um, you know, on the health, I'll start with the health side. One of the things they have done is uh, new money for cancer care and more support for seniors. Um, and, and so, you know, it's about one in every three dollars is on health. Um, and and there wasn't a whole bunch of new programs spending in this budget, but what we've seen is um, kind of increasing spending in in existing areas. I think the BC United is is calling it financially reckless, which is kind of expected in a way from the opposition that they're going to uh, criticize the budget and say you know it's contributing to inflation. I think that's questionable given the size of uh, the BC government and its borrowing in comparison to the, you know, inflation's a global thing and a national thing. It's, uh, if, if the BC government spends more or less, I don't think it's going to have a huge impact on, um, on inflation, but it does, um, it, 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 there are some challenges, uh, that, that, uh, I think average people are, are facing with taxation and everything else that uh, they have to, to pay for these days. So uh, I don't know if this is going to help Kevin Falcon because the, the BC United has not been doing uh, particularly well in the polls, although I think the finance critic Peter Millibar is, is a good critic in terms of uh, he communicates well and he gets his message across. Conservatives are now doing this two-piece-in-a-pod argument that, oh, you've got the NDP and you've got the B.C. Liberals, now B.C. United. Uh, they both spend like, like wild, <laughs> and that's why we're in this mess. The question is, are we really in a mess? I think we're in a mess if you're a young person and you're looking for housing and you can't afford it. I think if you're an older person with a good middle-class job and you've paid off most of your house and, and you're sitting on couple of million dollars of equity it's it's not a disaster 
Um, but but at the same time, I think uh, there are uh, it, it's a generous budget and it's a pre-election budget. I've said a lot there, Medicare. I don't know if that <laughs> makes sense or not. No, it makes sense. And I think that things, especially with the election being months away sort of thing, I didn't want to get your take in terms of, you know, were they clearly thinking about, of course, we've got an election coming up uh, when it comes to making this budget. Did you get a sense of that? Yeah, but I also think on the election, one of the big issues is housing as we go toward the election. And it's especially important, I think, for voters who may be considering the NDP, because the NDP tends to do much better with renters. The rent increases have been astronomical. Um, not the rent increases for existing tenants, but if you're looking for a new place, the, the cost of renting is is very high. And they're also being priced out of the housing market. So it's essential for the NDP to send a message that we're doing something about housing. It, it may take a little while, but help us on the way. And I think the NDP government, and particularly the housing minister, Robbie Cullen, have done a good job in that regard and have given kind of the NDP voters and the base uh, a sense that uh, maybe these guys, we can, we can, we can go with them again. Um, I think the, what the, the BC United is trying to say is that the uh, fiscal policies of the government are, are the cause of higher housing prices. And uh, one of the things that Kevin Falcon just trotted out recently was this rent-to-own plan where in certain buildings you pay rent for three years and that can go to a down payment. And, you know, it's a little gimmicky, but at the same time it might resonate with some people. So I think the real fight is, is not so much over the government's overall spending, but who do you trust the most to address the housing problem. And and that's really the sub-story. And in this legislative session, once again, the NDP plans to bring forward a whole bunch of housing bills, and uh, they're basically doing everything under the sun, which will uh, take that argument away from BC United as they go into an election campaign. And, and, and I actually think it's a pretty smart strategy. Mm, interesting. So let's see what ends up happening here. And Charlie, finally, you were telling me about some really cool things going on. We got Ruby Singh hosting an event and a BC filmmaker that's getting a lot of attention. Yeah, yeah. Ruby Singh is really talented. Like as a filmmaker, um, as a musician, as a soundscape artist, he got nominated for a Juno last year for Vox Infold, which was this very experimental album that he did with some outstanding musicians. Well, tonight, He's doing Vox Infold 2, which is his next version, and whole new material at Performance Works at 7.30 p.m. And um, Ruby's really a bright uh, fellow and interesting life story, too. He grew up in Abbotsford. Um, his mother died when he was only five years old, and he was raised by his aunts, and, um, who came from Punjab, actually. To, to help uh, raise him and his uh, siblings. And, and then he became this musician, and he thinks a lot about, he says, we have to be a good future ancestor in terms of thinking about, you know, the cycle of life. So this album touches upon that and is also, to a certain degree, a tribute to his extended family members 
who who helped him when he was a kid. So it's a nice story, and um, it shows that he has gratitude for the people who helped him. Um, and uh, and then he taught when I was interviewing him, he was talking also about you know the cycle of life and how it relates to Siki and all of that. So that's one thing that's going on at Granville Island at seven thirty tonight. The other thing that interested me is uh, Meredith Hama Brown is the Vancouver director of Seagrass, which was an award-winning film at Toronto Film Festival, Vancouver Film Festival. It's about intergenerational trauma. A Japanese-Canadian woman marries a, a white guy. They have marital troubles. The white guy doesn't understand the historical racism and why it might be reverberating in his own family. Meredith Hammer Brown is half Japanese, half white. So she kind of grew up in that milieu um, and is also a child of divorce herself. And so she's written a film. She says it's not all autobiographical, it's fictional. Um, it's at the Fifth Avenue Cinema. She'll be doing a Q&A on, on the weekend. And uh, I've seen the film. I think it's wonderful. So I highly recommend it. Awesome, Charlie. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And those events sound awesome. You take care. Have a great weekend. Okay, you too, Karen. Thanks. Bye.